the adult-aged son of a woman that was in our church group came to visit his mother. She showed him something in the Bible. He read it and said, Oh, Mother, this is so legalistic. She told me about this. I was very troubled by that which was spoken by this young man. He's in his 40s. I call him a young man. I was very troubled by that which he said, and I just simply said to God, This really troubles me. A little while later, after I said that to God, I was reminded of a scripture in Matthew chapter 7. Verses 13 and 14, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Then the Holy Spirit said to me, The world wants freedom to sin, but you who are born again want freedom from sin. The Bible is freedom from sin. The rules of the New Testament for us are freedom from sin, for when we do those rules, we don't sin. It's freedom from sin. But that's not what the world wants. The world wants to come to church and be approved by the church to do their sins. They want to be accepted by the church as they do their sins. And today's churches greatly accept the people of the world as they do their sins. You don't hear a preacher standing up quoting Romans 1 about the sins of lesbians and fornication and lesbians and homosexuals, do you? How many times do you hear that at church? Do you hear preachers standing up at church quoting Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, which tells the man if he marries a divorced woman, he commits adultery, which tells the woman if her husband divorces her and she marries another man, she commits adultery. Do you hear these things being spoken at your churches today? I've never heard them spoken at any church that I have ever attended. They avoid these things because it would offend people. If they said them, people would leave their congregations. People would quit hearing them. People would not listen to their television shows anymore or their radio shows. As long as the preacher approves the people, they'll follow him. But the minute he speaks of sin... Based on the scriptures, he will lose people in the congregation. They will go to other churches. So it's just turned about today so that 
The preachers do not preach about sin. They preach a doctrine which says, God forgives you. God wants you to be happy. You're okay. Everything's under the blood. If you commit fornication before you're born again and you go out after the knowledge of the truth, you, are, you have been born again, you now have the Spirit of God who shows you right from wrong, and you go out and continue to commit fornication, is it under the blood? That's not what the Bible teaches. I can read some scriptures to you from the Bible which should clearly show you when we commit sin after the knowledge of truth, there's no more sacrifice for that sin. If we do it before the knowledge of the truth, certainly there's a sacrifice, the blood of Jesus, for the sin. But after we have been enlightened to the truth, if we go back out and commit those sins, there isn't any more sacrifice. We'll look at a few of those scriptures. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6. Start at verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers by the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, it is impossible to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. We are talking about the people who are born again and have tasted the word of God and have been given the Holy Spirit. If they turn from it, it's impossible to restore them. The only hope that we could possibly have for them is something Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5. He said, turn them over to Satan for the destruction of of the flesh, that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. You have to just turn them over, stay away from them, don't keep company with them, let those people, let their flesh be destroyed. If they are called a brother, and they are in the church, and they are committing these various sins, while being in the church and calling themselves a brother, You'll never be able to counsel them to repentance, to real repentance. It can't be done. The thing you can do for them is to say to them, I will not keep company with you. Put them away from you. 
turn all godliness away from them and let them be destroyed in the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. That's the hope that we would have for these people. That's in 1 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 4. A man in the church group was committing fornication. And Paul says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Instead of doing this, what, had, what they'd been doing is they were puffed up. They were saying things like, I can't believe he would have done that. Instead, they should have grieved and put him out of the church. Paul says, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? You can't be around a person who does this. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. You cannot sit in a church group with a man who says he's a brother who is committing fornication. Jimmy Swaggart did this. He's commit fornication. He got caught. Then he appeared on television to his audience and said, I have sinned, and tears rolled down his cheeks. I happened to visit a little Assembly of God church at that time. I was shocked when I heard the pastor say, we should all pray for Brother Swaggart. I said in a very low tone, he should be put out of the church. The woman in front of me turned and glared at me. Now, I didn't disrupt the church service. I was just shocked, and it came out of my mouth in a low voice. But she heard it. Well, see, I know what Paul says. Put them out of the church. You don't counsel them and pray for them and tell others to pray for them. You put them away from you when a brother does this. For that's what he says in the Bible. That rules over everything. Well, they didn't do that in the Assembly of God Church. They prayed for him and counseled him. About three years later, Swaggart was caught with another prostitute. And this time he told them, The Lord has said to me, It's flat out none of your business what I do. We are the members of the body of Christ. It's everybody's business what we do. We don't judge the world, but we are supposed to judge the church in these things. Paul says, but now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. Don't keep company with them. Don't sit at them with the church. 
lunch at a church. Don't try to eat the word of God with these people. That is 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11. So the Assembly of God Church would not put Swaggart out. But the second time he was caught with the prostitute, they defrocked Swaggart. He didn't care. He had his own TV show. He just went on as usual. And gullible people follow him. We have to do things God's way. We have to. I've had this happen in my own life where someone, a brother in the church, was caught committing fornication and admitted to it. And I told him. He was the teacher of our Bible class at church, at the church I attended in Dallas. And I told him, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can't have anything more to do with you. I can't come to your Bible class. I can't come to church with you. I can't do those things. I can't visit with you. He said, that's right. He didn't care. But I didn't do it. I did contact him years later. And he told me fornication is no longer a problem for my flesh has been eaten up. Hopefully he will be spared. But I'm sure he will lose reward. There is such a thing as a full reward. John spoke of that in Second John, that we are to behave in a way where we receive a full reward. We may not know what a full reward is in heaven, but there is a full reward, and we certainly want to receive that. I'm sure that as, as we stay connected with God through prayer and do the scriptures that are brought to our attention, I, I'm sure we're going to receive a full reward. But if we sit there and hear the scriptures and don't do them and go another way, how can we hope for a full reward or anything for that matter? Another scripture to pay attention to is Hebrews chapter 10. Start at verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. As we see the day of the Lord approaching, and we see it by the wickedness upon the earth, the wickedness that increases on the earth shows us the day of the Lord is approaching. For the day of the Lord comes to bring wrath upon the wickedness. For God to judge the wicked by the wrath of God. So the wickedness increasing in the churches and increasing in the worlds shows us the coming of the day of the Lord, and we are told, exhort one another even more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. 
Verse 26, for if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. This is saying exactly the same thing Hebrews chapter 6 was saying. If you fall away, there is no more sacrifice. If you fall away and return to your past sins, there's no more sacrifice for your sins. About all we can hope for is that your flesh be destroyed so your spirit can be saved. Verse 27, But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much more punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despot unto the Spirit of truth. There, the people who do these sins today after they're born again, they're worthy of even more punishment than they were in the day of Moses when they were put to death immediately. That's what he's saying here in Hebrews 10. For we know him, God, that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. See, there's no more sacrifice for your sins after you have been born again. It says there's just no more sacrifice. You'd have to crucify the Son of God, of God again. Therefore, it's a terribly serious thing if you return to your sins after you're born again. Second Peter chapter 2, start at verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is returned to his own vomit, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. These are warnings for us. They also are exhortations showing us you cannot sit there with a man who calls himself a brother while he is committing fornication or drunkenness or idolatry or railing or covetousness or extortion. And frankly, most of the preachers today are committing extortion by using scripture to try to twist money out of you. That's extortion. It's a very serious, evil, wicked, perilous time that we live in today. 
We have to keep ourselves by the Word of God. We simply do the Word of God as we see it. This is Joan Boney speaking. Every scripture that I've spoken to you today is printed on our blog so you can get that scripture in writing. Jesus Ministries Exhortations. On the right-hand side of the page, tap on Podcast. That will bring up today's broadcast, and you can see every scripture that is spoken today, and you can rehear this broadcast if you wish to do so. The, the name of our blog, again, is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.